0: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, what's up, everybody? Chris Cropesso here from PBS North.com for another episode of the Prospect Podcast on the Blue Warrior Network. Okay, Matt, let's get right to it today. Let's talk about North Dakota State quarterback Trey Lance. He, to me, and I'll give a quick summary before we really dive in. He, to me, embodies everything that we have talked about on this podcast at nauseum about quarterbacks when it comes to athleticism and arm strength. I said it on the last podcast uh, that we dedicated fully to Mac Jones, and we are going to run through all the top, probably five quarterbacks, just do a full podcast on those uh, passers. I talked about that I recently finished and finalized my quarterback grades, and I didn't let it sway anything, but I watched Mac Jones, and then I watched Trey Lance right after him. I was blown away. Like, I, just writing down notes as I was watching the film – the difference in arm strength was gigantic. Certainly the athleticism, the same thing. There was such a big disparity. Now, Trey Lance is not as accurate um, as Mac Jones, of course. There are some wayward tosses, but and I'll get to some of his accuracy issues, like kind of what I think the root is uh, later on in this episode. But just, man, the, from a physical talent perspective, I really think, and he has to land with the right team, of course, he has all pro upside. And for as much as Mac Jones is like one of the more buzzed about quarterbacks right now, we're not really hearing a lot about Trey Lance at this point. I think after the dust settles on free agency and we get our veteran trades at the quarterback market closer to April, closer to the draft, we'll start to hear how much teams are enamored with Trey Lance because he fits that mold of these young wave of quarterbacks.
1: It's really unfortunate that there's not an NFL combine this year because yeah. the biggest day, the biggest moments of that would have been how fast is Trey Lance going to run, if he even ran at all. We were disappointed that Lamar Jackson didn't run once upon a time. But if he did, from watching his tape, I'd guess like four, or five. maybe he can even yeah. do a little better than that. Um, I mean, you laid it out, but the athletic traits are – pretty ridiculous with Trey Lance. And he is definitely oppo Mac Jones, where you feel like Mac Jones is close to his ceiling already, where with Trey Lance, I believe he was 19 with the last tape that we were watching of him. Mm -hmm. So we don't really even know where his ceiling could be. We can only grade on how fast is that football popping out of his arm and how fast is he running. And then does he show some of the, Quarterback things like does he look like he's reading the field? Does he look like he has pocket presence? But even with him, what's hard for me is just like how will those things develop? I really have no idea because the competition is so much greater, but also the coaching, the aging. I mean, you get with him. He could be 25 or 26 years old. Think of how long that is from now if you draft (laughs) Trey Lance, right? Like there's just – there's something to somebody that is coming out at at this age and this raw that is really exciting. And when I watch him, yeah, there there are certainly issues. But the first thing to me, the number one thing is everybody's trying to figure out explosive plays. Nobody wants 12-play drives and picking apart – defenses, you know, maybe Peyton Manning was a master at that once upon a time, but that's really hard to do. And it's sort of the way NFL defenses are trying to set up now like keep everything in front of us. I look at Trey Lance and I think he could have a top five deep ball whenever he steps into the league and that right there alone, even if he didn't have any other athletic trait, that to me says you have the potential to be a star in the NFL. And even if I have no idea um, how far away that is for someone like Trey Lance, it, it's, it's a great place to start for someone when you're talking about drafting quarterbacks at the very top.
0: Yeah, and it's kind of interesting how we're going back-to-back here with Mac Jones and Trey Lance because I thought it was smart what you brought up about Mac Jones, that if a team wants to take on a new team-building philosophy and just say, hey, look, we're going to draft Mac Jones, we're going to hope for a couple of good seasons from him, three, four years, then we're going to let him go, but we're going to build around him. Trey Lance is the complete opposite in that way too. Like we hear the term long-term project during the pre-draft process. And that's typically like has a negative connotation. I don't think it is with Trey Lance to call him a long-term project. And you mentioned his age, you know, 24, 25, 26 years old. That's a ways away from now. So I think the team that ultimately picks him will really have the long-term in mind and maybe a, a GM or a few GMs will be kind of scared away from, hey, maybe we're not going to see the best of this player for three or four years. I need to win pretty soon. But if there is a team that, that has a GM and a head coach with the security and they want to really plan ahead for the future, uh, Trey Lance, to me, makes a lot of sense. All right, let's jump into the teams like we did with Mac Jones. I'll start. Uh, you were pretty specific last time. You had teams laid out. Um, that you thought would be perfect fits for Mac I'm just looking at my list down here. Really, I I don't have one specific team. I just have two criteria. The team, like I just said, needs to have the long-term in mind and will not play Trey Lance as a rookie. I know teams say that a lot. We're going to sit this guy. We have our veteran. We have our stopgap. Then they start one and four, and they force the young guy in there. As long as the team will not do that, Uh, then I think that is completely fine. That will be a good fit and get Trey Lance into a system that is preferably off the Shanahan or Kubiak tree. Yes, that includes your Vikings with new offensive coordinator, Clint Kubiak, that will get him outside the pocket. will let him uh, throw on the run so he can threaten defenses outside the pocket because we know he's not great inside the pocket right now. I don't think he's terrible winning from in the pocket, but you want him to use his athleticism and kind of the last sub criteria, I'll say use Trey Lance in the designed run game. I I don't know if he's like Zach Wilson or Deshaun Watson when it comes to just being a natural playmaker with his legs. And yes, he was playing at the FCS level, but there was a lot of quarterback power run in that North Dakota state offense. And he was not only sinking his hips and jump cutting away from linebackers, but he was like running through tackles, and then, as you mentioned, accelerating down the field. So as long as a team will have the long-term in mind and not play him in 2021 or maybe he gets a game or two at the end of the season, get him out on play action bootlegs and use him in the design run game. Any of those teams, if, if you're a fan of any team that can fit most of those criteria, hopefully the first two, then I'm fine with that fit for Trey Lance. And then conversely, uh, a team that wants him to be stoic in the pocket, maybe an air raid system that's just going to ask him to attack down the field, keep him between the tackles. I wouldn't like that and any desperate team or quasi desperate team that wants to play him right away. And, and I think it kind of works out because those would be the teams picking near the top of the draft. And it seems as though at this point in late February that Trey Lance probably won't be, you know, one of the top five selections. So a, a team that wants instant results should not pick Trey Lance and let him use his athleticism. Uh, to really accentuate his talent once he gets to the NFL.
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting you mentioned his running game and making that a part of just what you do. I think that teams are naturally hesitant to do that because they think that they're putting their quarterback in a lot of danger, but I think we've seen from what the Buffalo Bills do with Josh Allen and with what Lamar Jackson has done in Baltimore that that's not necessarily the case. I mean, just because someone is running doesn't mean that they're going to fall apart and get injured. It really kind of depends on how good you are at it. I mean, Cam Newton, it wore on his body after a while, but he was a freight train, and it was extremely effective, especially in the red zone, and that's what Trey Lance could bring. I I think, you remember last year, they were talking about um, Jalen Hurts as somebody who could almost be a running back. He was so good at running. I think Trey Lance is even a little bit better than that because he's more powerful than that. And so I agree with you completely that putting him in a system where he can also run and get outside the pocket and use his arm to take those deep shots is really important. I look at, though, the, the situation for how long-term are you in your outlook. So it's kind of funny. I mean, this team might not sound like they're a team, after a big move they just made, that should take Trey Lance, but I think they are the Detroit Lions. They just traded. I get it. They just traded for Goff. But, but that organization right now is down to its completely you know bare bones. I mean, you have Jared Goff there, but he's going to play with a roster that's having two wide receivers likely to leave if they don't franchise tag Kenny Galladay. So you've got your receivers leaving. You've sort of built up an offensive line, but you've got the bones of that thing for a while. Uh, you drafted a running back, but, I mean, was that really the right move for the time? And your defense is just empty at this point. You need years to build that up. So if you look at the way that Jared Goff's situation is laid out with this contract, you could draft Trey Lance, play Jared Goff for one or two years. I I don't even think it's crazy to sit Trey Lance for two years and then be ready to hand the ball off to him. I'm mean, i generally a believer in sitting a guy for a year no matter what, but especially if it's someone as raw as him. So I think if you're the Detroit Lions at number seven, you should consider it. And that's if Philadelphia doesn't take him at six. And, and, you know, Philadelphia is kind of like this, where they might look at it and say, Anything else here is just unimportant compared to the quarterback. Why don't we draft Trey Lance and see how him and Jalen Hurts play it out? If Hurts is great next year, we trade Trey Lance for a first-round pick. And if he, you know, fails, if Jalen Hurts fails, then we hand the ball over to, um, you know, Trey Lance eventually. So, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of teams that are really interesting. And then there's Carolina sitting there and saying, "Come on, Teddy Bridgewater, play him for another season." rebuild, build up that roster, spend some money in free agency. So I I think any part of that back half of the top 10, those teams are ripe to do it. Um, But I do wonder if you think that he will actually get a chance to play in that sort of rollout system, because oftentimes quarterbacks like him, they stick them back there in the shotgun and they say, do it all, my friend, run around, make plays, throw every time. (laughs) Like that's often what we see from quarterbacks like him.
0: Yeah, that will be the most problematic uh, development for Trey Lance. And let's hope that teams have gotten a little smarter. I think in general they have uh, with what the Bills did surrounding Josh Allen with the offensive line and the receivers, Lamar Jackson, that offense in Baltimore being tailored to his skill set and they're getting the 13 and three season the MVP from him. They're going to be probably perennial playoff contenders. Um, I, I hope, and that's what I said. I had those two criteria. I hope the team that picks him doesn't try to pigeonhole him into a drop back or a pocket offense. Um, you're probably going to get there, and I won't top out and just and say, hey, a bunch of teams. I'll pick a team. The San Francisco 49ers. We talked about it many times. Like, let's see a highly talented big arm quarterback in a Kyle Shanahan offense. The closest thing we've gotten is Matt Ryan in 2015 or 2016 with the Atlanta Falcons, he won an MVP. They went to the Super Bowl and they blew some kind of lead, I guess, 28 to three or something like that. Uh, So, and Matt Ryan is certainly not a high caliber athlete um, and wasn't at that point later in his career. So I think that system and that situation to have Jimmy Garoppolo, maybe they can't move him. They're paying him this big money. Uh, He'll make them competitive. And with Nick Bosa coming back, The 49ers won't be a bad team next year, and that will lead to them not having necessarily a top five or a top seven pick to pick a quarterback next year. So it seems like it would be a savvy move for, like you mentioned, the Carolina Panthers, the Detroit Lions, and certainly the San Francisco 49ers. They can get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo in 2022. He will have gotten that, or Trey Lance will have gotten that Patrick Mahomes-type redshirt season behind a quarterback quarterback who has a completely different skill set from him and is great reading defenses and throwing accurately and staying inside the pockets. And this would be uh, certainly be the case if he landed in Carolina with Teddy Bridgewater. So the biggest like circle that I would have on, you know, the first round draft order would be number 12, San Francisco 49ers. Maybe they want to try to push back to, you know, feel that their Super Bowl window is still open and they go playmaker or they add to the defense at cornerback. But I would love Trey Lance with Kyle Shanahan.
1: The thing about San Francisco, at least how I view it right now, and we know in the NFL that these things can change really quickly, but the way I view their situation is that they're stable, that they're going to say, look, we're in a good spot with John Lynch and with Kyle Shanahan. We're yep. probably not going to do better than those guys, at general manager and head coach. So if you took a longer view of this situation and drafted a quarterback maybe you might have to trade up for it. And that might not be something they really want to do when they are in a situation where they can win right now. But even with green Bay, we saw that trading up for a first round pick quarterback doesn't necessarily mean you're throwing away your future. Sometimes we equate those two, like, wow, if you draft a quarterback, you're just done competing. But I mean, a lot of times the drafts don't impact you till down the road. So it still makes sense to draft a high end or high upside quarterback and assume that you're going to have to rest on your roster and free agency for exactly 2021. And then it's really down the road where it makes a big difference. But I I would love to see him in a system like that because so few great athletes get that chance. And it's like, can you even think of any more, Quarterbacks outside of like John Elway for great athletes, and Elway was ancient by the time he got to play in that Mike Shanahan system is so long ago. But guys like Matt Schaub and Kirk Cousins and and Jimmy Garoppolo and Jared Goff, they tend to Nick Mullins. Yeah, Nick Mullins, right. They tend (laughs) to get that advantage and look how well they do with it. You would love to see someone like Trey Lance there. It would just be about, you know, can he master it? But what Jimmy Garoppolo gives you is a year where you can compete. This is someone who's already taken you the Super Bowl. And the successor, you're more in that Alex Smith type of situation, and then you can trade away Jimmy Garoppolo, or you can let him go depending on his, you know, cap situation or or whatever else. I like it. I just think that. And tell me what you, how, where you have him, you know, going here because I think Trey Lance is gone before that. There is always a quarterback that drops almost every single year that surprises us, but. I don't think it's going to be Trey Lance after I watched him and thought about what we saw from Justin Herbert, Josh Allen this year, and even some of the running upside of Jalen hurts. I think that that's what a lot of teams are going to want to build around.
0: Yeah. I mean, you just listed like three or four teams that are within the top 10 and then the 49ers are sitting there at, at 12. I think I'm not going to call it a pipe dream, but I think they would be pretty fortunate if Trey Lance was there at number 12 overall, but like we said at the end of the podcast on Mac Jones, that right now we're like, look at all these teams that need quarterbacks. There will be some more moves. Some teams will fill holes with veterans. And I think, especially me being a draft analyst and we're, and we're here on this draft podcast, it's easy to like think that every team is just like thinking about the draft and building for the future. You brought up great points in that last episode that I think a lot of teams and a lot of GMs and head coaches are like, Hey, we got to win like this year or next year, or yeah. we're going to be gone. So we need a veteran. Uh, So I don't think he'll be there. I don't think it's out of the question that he's available in the middle part of round one, because of a lot of the reasons that we just pointed out. And you mentioned Kirk cousins in this Shanahan Kubiak style system. So I want you to put your purple insider hat on purple insider daily Vikings podcast that mass Matt hosts every day. Uh, that's the best daily Vikings podcast on the internet. Um, is there any chance if, Trey Lance is there at number 14 overall that the Vikings would pick him and store him behind Kirk Cousins when they can to use when they can finally get out from under that contract. I think there's both a chance that they could take Trey
1: Lance if he's available and Mac Jones. That's not to say it's extremely likely, but if we're saying if one of those two guys is on the board, what are the odds the Vikings do it? Kirk Cousins' situation with his contract is – Really tough for the Vikings. He holds a $45 million cap hit in 2022. And so, right. So the thing about that is that makes it really challenging is by the third day of the league year, they have to decide whether to make that fully guaranteed or not. And if you think about you know, when the draft is and when the third day of the league year is, uh, that's way before the draft. So if, if they do, though, they could still trade him before next year, and then another team could sign him to a contract extension if they wanted to do it that way, or they could even trade him this offseason. There have been some rumblings there. Of course, if they traded him this offseason, then this becomes very, very realistic. But yeah. I even think, too, that they've probably recognized that there's a ceiling with Kirk Cousins that you can get so far when he's got a really good team. And when he doesn't have a really good team, he's probably more like an 8-8 eight and eight or 7-9 and nine quarterback. And so you have to weigh how important is that draft pick to you to try and improve a lot right away when you have a ton of different needs or how important is it to look toward the future. And I think that they actually would probably look toward the future. Maybe. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm just not sure where they stand with this right now. But Trey Lance is the guy that could swing it because he just has such an upside, and he's so exacto opposite of what Kirk Cousins is. And then you would have the situation where Cousins could play quarterback for 2022, then you move on from him after that. So it, it does set up that way, but I don't know. I'm just, I'm not convinced that they would actually do it. But this is also a team that once upon a time got Brett Favre. And I never would have expected that either. So I guess I don't count them out. But do I think he's a fit? I absolutely think he's a fit for their situation. Any situation that says you're going to sit for a year, there's another quarterback's going to play, we've got time, and then you can go in. That's where the Vikings might be problematic because I think they really, really want to win in 2021. So they might say, hey, we need a tackle or we need a defensive lineman. We need Christian Barmore. And I I think that would be a mistake to pass up Trey Lance for Christian Barmore, but I could see them doing that because there is a lot of pressure on the GM and coach.
0: Yeah, it just seems like at this point, like you mentioned, like the front office, which has been one of the better front offices in the NFL for a while, like should realize, like, hey, we need to plan for the future. Kirk Cousins isn't the guy. But it seems like they really like Kirk Cousins. And you're right, that Trey Lance is kind of the total opposite quarterback, so it'll be interesting to see. Um, let's just hope he gets there to number 14. I will text you as the Vikings are on the clock and just to get your instant reaction if they – Take Christian Barmore or they actually pick Trey Lance. I I don't think he'll be there at 14, um, but if he does, that'll make for a really fascinating storyline in the middle of of round one on draft night. All right, so we talked about all the team scenarios and the type of fit. Let's get down really to the nitty-gritty and who Trey Lance is as a player. We talked about his arm strength. I'm going to do what I did in the last episode on Mac Jones and for all these quarterbacks. I'm going to read directly from my scouting notebook that has my whole grading system in it. The scouting report that's finalized that I have for Trey Lance, it's quite long, but bear with me again. High-level athletic traits and a rocket launcher attached to the right side of his body. Jump cuts like a running back and has deceptive power to run through tackle attempts. He's decently fast, too. He needs to be used in the design run game in the pros. He's too talented not to do so. The live arm is a luxury. He can fit it into small windows. Most QBs can't even if he's a tick late or doesn't properly read a defender's leverage. Lance flashed the ability to move to a second read, but does have a tendency to stare down the first look. There are some wayward misses typical with big armed uh, quarterbacks, not a major concern, but he needs to be, but that needs to be addressed and it's likely due to his footwork. Overall ball placement needs fine tuning. His pocket management is lacking but he doesn't see ghosts on a regular basis and has good improvisational feel for the game. The arm talent is borderline special. Feet don't need to be perfect for him to deliver it with velocity. Great downfield touch, decently raw, but absolutely has all pro upside. And there's one thing that I want to say about the accuracy issue that I don't want to forget this. I don't want to be talking to you off the air and and not have said this on the podcast. With Trey Lance's accuracy issues and just that phrase being thrown out for a lot of quarterbacks over the last, really, ever, but guys like Josh Allen, even Patrick Mahomes to a certain degree, um, when they were prospects, there's always been this thought that accuracy can't be coached and can't be taught. Once you get to the NFL, if you're not accurate, then you're you're not going to be able to cut it. And while I do think accuracy is still vital, it's almost like today accuracy so to speak can be taught give that quarterback a great offensive line give him receivers who are wide open and you'll see the completion percentage the accuracy percentage will go up that certainly happened with Josh Allen in Buffalo who you know when he was a prospect there were people calling him a a parody of of a prospect because he just was not accurate and the last thing I want to say on accuracy and I think it applies to Trey Lance in most cases and I'm gonna continue to use Josh Allen as a reference accuracy concerns from what I've seen, like a a quarterback prospect that is labeled as someone who is inaccurate. I think a lot of the times it's when that quarterback is under pressure or they overextend plays. That's just when they try to do too much behind the line of scrimmage instead of just throwing the ball away. Um, But when they're in those high pressure situations, they're under duress. That's when you see the ball placement issues. I think in general, Trey Lance, when he has a clean pocket, he delivers strikes. And I remember writing that up about Josh Allen. I I didn't like, I didn't love Josh Allen as a prospect. He was my sixth quarterback in that class because of a lot of the pocket presence issues. But I remember writing that in those Mountain West games at Wyoming, when the competition level or the, uh, yeah, like his competition level was pretty close to all of his offensive linemen and his receivers, he was throwing strikes all over the field. The accuracy issues came when his processing was sped up a little bit too quickly or his feet weren't set. I see a lot of the same things with Trey Lance. So yeah, if you throw Trey Lance behind a porous offensive line and his receivers can't get open, I think you'll see a lot of those hurry decisions where his footwork isn't great, but I'm not going to say that Trey Lance, when he's trying to deliver a dig route over the middle, a a 15 yard dig that, Eight times out of 10, he's going to miss his target. I, I saw a lot of lasers from a clean pocket. So I, I just wanted to bring that up about how we characterize, and I think mischaracterize accuracy issues. Is he Drew Brees from a clean pocket? No, but I think the arm talent, like I wrote in my scouting report, can kind of cover up for some of those clean pocket misses. But a lot of his ball placement issues, I think, are when he is under pressure. And that's kind of true with any quarterback.
1: I was thinking about this in terms of, like, your percentiles of what Trey Lance could be. And because he isn't pinpoint accurate, and, I mean, we are talking about a guy that is still impressionable in his, you know, ability to improve these things. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm sure pitchers in Major League Baseball can't get a whole lot better at throwing balls and strikes, but they probably can from age 18 to 22, right? Yeah. Maybe not when they're 31, but they certainly can in their younger years when you're working on your, you know, your technique all the time and you're still uh, growing even as a human being. So I think that there is levels to that that we need to consider because he is so young and so inexperienced. Um, the other part of it is like, so if he hits the whatever 90th percentile and ends up like Cam Newton, say, in his prime, that's still not the most accurate passer in the entire world. But when you can make tight window throws, at least even at a just much higher clip than someone like Jared Goff, then I think your ceiling becomes higher. So even if you are higher variance because of that, if it clicks like it did this year for Josh Allen, it could be really, really good. And I think that's kind of where we are with Trey Lance and his accuracy. But I'm open to saying that something like that would improve as he goes along. But I also wanted to ask you, because you gave kind of like, okay, what are the good parts of him or, or what do you see in some of these areas what could be the potential downfall to where he doesn't hit the 90th percentile and, and ends up like highly athletic quarterbacks that haven't clicked? Like, let's, let's say he ends up like Blake Bortles. I mean, remember how much they loved Blake Bortles' arm strength, athleticism, and, well, you know, we'll fix some of the accuracy issues, and that just never really happened. Uh, he wasn't quite the runner that Trey Lance is, but if he ends up Blake Bortles instead of Cam Newton, what happens?
0: Yeah, I'm glad you asked that because we talked about the the polar end of the consensus on Mac Jones. Could he kind of sneak his way into being this hyper-accurate quarterback in this league full of all these freaky athletes if he goes to a team like the Saints or something like that? Uh, yeah, there is certainly a chance that Trey Lance is ultimately this strong-armed athletic quarterback that doesn't really succeed because... I don't think right now, even though I just said all that about accuracy, I don't think he has everything that you need to win from the pocket consistently. And you and I have talked about it. Everyone talks about it and is writing about it. All the improvisation and the, and the athleticism for these young quarterbacks that are taking over the league. I think it's easy to lose sight that Patrick Mahomes is damn good from inside the pocket. And this past year, Josh Allen was outstanding from inside the pocket Aaron Rodgers, of course, can do crazy things on the football field. He was Patrick Mahomes before Patrick Mahomes. He is outstanding from the pocket. Dak Prescott is the same way. Deshaun Watson is the same way. And I think it won't necessarily be the fact that Trey Lance is just missing wide open wide receivers at too high of a rate to be a successful starter. It's drifting inside the pocket. It's getting off that first read. Um, I I saw it a few times, but I didn't see it a lot. It's reading the entire field. It's uh, recognizing underneath coverage. He didn't throw any interceptions in 2019 famously, but there were a few times where there were dropped interceptions where he trusted his arm a little bit too much, tried to throw a really tight window pass down the seam or to the sideline across the field. Didn't seem to, realize that there was an underneath player that could strike downhill and get his hands on the football. They ultimately were dropped passes and and should have been intercepted. So I think it will be more of the mind stuff than just a physical incapability of delivering an accurate football. And for a lot of the reasons that we brought up earlier, you know, if he lands with a team that tries to play him right away and he's seeing everything, he's like a deer in headlights right away and can't process all of these complex coverages. He's not just seeing zone all the time like he did at North Dakota state that could, you know, really hinder his development. I, I call it young quarterback shell shock that I think there's times where these young quarterbacks come in, they're not ready. And all they're worried about is the pass rush. They're not even concerned about the coverages because everything's happening so fast. The line isn't good. The receivers, even if they can get open, they're not seeing them open because they're worried about a lot of other stuff. So I think it would be his mind. And if he falls, to the wrong situation with the wrong team and plays too early
1: the mind stuff is just impossible to know it is that, that's Absolutely.
0: why right if you're
1: carolina or you're philadelphia and you're thinking long-term quarterback and you, you just take a swing on tools and that's the only thing you can really do because mm-hmm. i even think that when you're comparing alabama quarterbacks or when you're comparing even teams playing alabama Like Alabama runs the closest thing in college football to an NFL defense with Nick Saban, former NFL defensive coordinator. He does a lot of the same things in coverages at the same time. It's still not as complicated. You still can't Mm -hmm. game plan 24 seven for five straight days, trying to stop you like NFL defensive coordinators can. You don't know how someone's going to pick up a playbook, how quick you don't even know how quick their processing is for the most part, because Mm -hmm. unless they're Trevor Lawrence who gets rid of the ball in 2.3 seconds, I mean, how do you know with guys who are getting three seconds to throw the ball all the time? And with, you know, this level of competition, like you said, it's it's cover four and go back and do your thing. Well, it's going to be a lot different than that in the NFL. Do you have a, remember I gave the Mac Jones, Kelly Holcomb 50% uh, or, you know, 50th percentile, like the the total middle of he's not a bust, but he's not a home run pick. I've been struggling with this with Trey Lance. I Maybe you've got a name. I'm not sure I've got a name right now.
0: Well, I don't have one as good as the Kelly Holcomb, Mac Jones. And (laughs) hat hat tip to you for getting Kelly Holcomb into the podcast uh, last episode. You Uh, have to. I, I don't think we have seen a quarterback like Trey Lance. That's like a throwback because a lot of those quarterbacks in the 80s and 90s, even the early 2000s, were not crazy athletes. I think like a 50th percentile, and maybe this is even being a little optimistic, I think he can be like a Byron Leftwich quarterback that, that even if uh, you know, he's not the craziest quickest processor and isn't understanding every coverage, the arm and the athleticism, I think will like allow him to flash at times long enough that even if he's moving teams uh, that teams will be like, Hey, let's sign Trey Lance as our backup or our bridge quarterback. And let's see if we can get a few uh, good games out of him. So that might seem a little aggressive because Byron Leftwich had a pretty long career, but was never an amazing quarterback. That's just kind of the guy that had a big arm uh, that, and I think at the time relative to other quarterbacks was a decent athlete. So that's kind of my 50th percentile. I don't know if you have any others. There's not, it's hard to find one because of his running ability that we have not seen from a quarterback in really ever.
1: Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good point. Um, Hmm. Yeah, Byron Leftwich had that big arm, but he also he also kind of needed a long time to throw it, like where he mm-hmm. had to kind of bring it down and really let loose and I don't see that in Trey Lance. He's got such a good arm that it it really rockets out of there. Um jeez, I don't know. I can only think of like, you know, running quarterbacks that didn't work out. But maybe there's like maybe this is too high. This is probably too high. I was thinking like a Jay Cutler type of arm talent all over the place, but inconsistent with the accuracy. Hopefully he's got a better personality than Jay Cutler. And (laughs) he's clearly more of a threat with the run game. That's where it's hard to make that comp of, like, what is he going to be? But if he becomes Cutler, Cutler was a good NFL starter for a long time. But, oh, you know what? I've got one. Jake Plummer. Jake Plummer. There you go. Jake Plummer was a great athlete. He could run back in the day. Exactly. And he got put in a terrible situation in Arizona and was terrible for a long time. And then this ties back in, gets with the Mike Shanahan offense, starts running play actions, bootlegs. He could use his athleticism, use his arm strength, throw to open receivers, and then all of a sudden he has late career success. I think that Trey Lance is probably like maybe that's a little higher than 50th percentile, but I kind of like it as a comp.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a good one too. Um, But the biggest difference would be that, Jake Plummer, I'm pretty sure, was like a senior or a redshirt senior when he was coming into the NFL. And that's, again, what makes Trey Lance so unique. He was 19 years old uh, when we saw him at North Dakota State. so. Those are two throwbacks. Let's try to keep going with these 90s and 2000s quarterbacks for the college. Like We're going to get all the comparisons of players playing today uh, over the next couple months on this podcast and at cbsports.com, but let's do these 90s and 2000s uh, comparables. I love those. One other thing that I will say on Trey Lance before we wrap up um, is that I, I've seen on Twitter a little bit that like, oh, he was playing at the Alabama of the FCS level. Like his line was great. Dylan Radins, his left tackle is probably going to be a second or third round pick. Uh, The scheme was great. I, I didn't see on film the receivers with the talent that Alabama has had. Like I didn't come away from those games thinking like, man, like individually North Dakota State just absolutely dominated whatever team they were playing, Northern Iowa or whatever. I thought that the offensive line was typically pretty good um, and that the scheme was great and that you would watch it on all 22 and you would see like the other team would like never score any points. Like I think their defense was really good. So if that's out there and if you have any thought about that, um, just anyone listening that, oh, hey, maybe he should be viewed like Tua or like Mac Jones, I don't really buy that. Like do you have any thoughts on – you know, coming from this perennial power where they were winning a lot of games?
1: Well, first of all, if you have a quarterback who's going to be drafted in the top 10, I mean, probably at that level should be winning. I mean, like like QB wins in college. Patrick Mahomes is certainly the guy that, uh, you know, you would point to and say, look, I mean, that guy got beat by West Virginia at one point and someone named Skylar Howard beat him. But he's the best quarterback in the NFL now. So, yeah, QB wins. Um, but, you know, his teams weren't very good. Um, but, at, but at this level, if we're talking about FCS, the guy should probably be winning. Uh, I didn't see either wide receiver so wide open that he would, could have tossed it underhand. What I'm looking for, the difference between the two in Mac Jones is, if he floats the ball out there through the air, fluttering into his receiver, he's still going to catch it and still get 30 yards. Mm-hmm. With Trey Lance, the ball does not flutter through the air to his wide receivers. It gets there in a hurry. So that's the big difference to me is was one guy propped up or of course they've both got good teams and they're both good players, but one guy just has a way stronger arm than the other guy. And it sort of is like one of those, let's get down to brass tacks on this one guy's more talented than the other. And and that's how you're going to evaluate them in in terms of their talent, because all that other stuff you can't really know. How good is receiver is going to be in the NFL? That matters a ton, as we've Mm -hmm. seen from the the supporting cast. We don't know that right now. You can only say, well, what's the guy got in his toolbox, and how's it going to work?
0: All right, that's all we have for today on North Dakota uh, State quarterback Trey Lance. We're going to work our way from like five, like consensus number five to number one. So the next episode will be on Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields. Trey Lance, fascinating prospect will be very interesting to see how high he's ultimately picked. To me, like you read in my or like you heard in my scouting report, I think he really has all pro upside. For Matthew Collar, I'm Chris Trapasso. Thank you for listening to the Prospect Podcast.